my name is Caroline Timmerman, and welcome to COVID Around the World, the podcast dedicated to connecting Fairfield University to the international community during COVID-19. In this episode, my segment will be focusing on COVID's impacts on education in the United Kingdom, particularly England. Today, I will be interviewing primary school teacher Miss Colette Jewell and her daughter Charlotte Jewell. To start, would you guys like to introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Colette Jewell and I am a, a key stage two teacher at St. Aidan's Roman Catholic Primary School in the northeast of England. Hello, I'm Charlotte Jewell and I'm a key stage three tutor um, in the northeast of England. Excellent. Thank you guys for speaking with me today. Um, so I was wondering if you would talk to me a little bit about what your experience has been like um, being in the education system during COVID-19. We were told with only a couple of days notice that the schools were going to close, right, um, during lockdown. And um, so just we only had sort of like a day and a half to you know, get used to um, a completely different system to what we were, what you know, than what we were used to teaching in the classroom. So we had a quick um, evening training, saying, you know, from now on, you're going to have to um, put children's work online. You're going to have to monitor this. You're going to have to come up with some system of. Um, marking and um, and also um, ensuring that the children do complete the work. So it was sort of like really, really quick and I, um, at first felt very, very unprepared. You know, it was really quite difficult. I don't actually teach. Um, I don't have my own class. I'm just a part-time teacher and I support the deputy head. Um, and um, we teach the year six children, and this is the oldest children in the school. And um, when um, lockdown happened, it was just before they were due to complete their um, what we call um, SATs, the year six SATs, and these are um, tests that they have to um, complete. Um, and um, they're graded on these. They're external exams, and they're graded. And um, and this is used to uh, for when they go to high school. Unfortunately, right, um, those children were unable to complete their SATs class, uh, SATs tests rather, and um, and um, which was a real shame because all year, right. In year six, you sort of like prepare those children for those SATs. And unfortunately, the children did not get to take the SATs. This year, group that we had were very, very bright children. There were some incredibly right, talented children. Um, and I felt sorry for them because they were unable to do their SATs. And I know that they would have, um, you know, performed really well and got really high levels. Um, not only did I feel sorry for the children, but also for um, the school as well, because, you know, our results would have been very good. So that was disappointing. Anyway, getting back to um, working with the children, um, they I, I, obviously I shared my... Um, the work with the deputy head and he put on um, for the children all the literacy and maths work and and I did all the other stuff the science and RE we're a Catholic school so we had to continue to teach RE and a lot of the um, lessons were prepared for by the, our diocese and um, and then other sort of like topic work 
Um, you couldn't really put on anything that was too challenging because we did not do Zoom lessons, right? Um, we were just giving the children notes or maybe a PowerPoint, um, which was presented to them and then giving them set work to do. Um, most of the children were very good at responding. Um, they would re do the work that was required, submit it. Um, some children were unable to because they didn't have the facilities at home, the technology at home, to actually uh, post their work online. So they used to do their work in a workbook, which we had given to them um, at the day before, um, on the day that, 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 that we broke up. So, um, but I must admit, it was difficult to um, ensure that the children did complete the work. Um, some parents um, did not um, reply to the school's requests. Um, some children did not submit any work. Um, so, and we were asked by the head, right, to investigate this. So the deputy was having to ring parents to make sure, um, to ensure that the children were actually did complete the work. This was difficult. Um, some parents found it difficult, especially key workers' children. They were still, they were going to work. So it was hard to monitor the children. Another parents found it difficult to do the work um, if, they, if they were furloughed and working at home and also trying to keep their children um, um, to ensure and support their children doing schoolwork that had been um, set by teachers. A lot of them found it very, very difficult. Um, so it was hard to monitor. I do feel that, you know, um, the children did suffer. My year group, year six, because they were so well prepared for the SATs, the work that they did was fine because they'd already covered everything they had to, they had to do in the curriculum. However, below year six, um, I think the children have. So it was, as far as I know, um, none of the teachers in our school did Zoom lessons. Yeah, I was I'm wondering, so for the children who, um, this is kind of two parts, for the children who didn't complete the, the work you said, or, you know, didn't get in touch with the school, are they penalized for that? Do they have to repeat a year or are they, or are they just pushed ahead to the next as far as I know, right, um, they're just going to be pushed ahead to the next year. They were, what we had to do was if, if parents, right, um, were not supporting the children, if the children were not accessing the remote learning, were not um, going online, not doing the work, not submitting work, because you gave them sort of like deadlines. You gave them, um, you know, this piece of work has to be in four and you would give them a, a date. If the work wasn't submitted, right, um, the head was saying that we had to contact the parents. So um, the deputy head did that, contacted them. And if they continued, right, to, um, to you know, for their children not to um, submit work, then we had to, 
made and um, complete what we call sea ponds which is a safeguarding what you do for safeguarding if it, um, a child if you have a safeguarding issue right we complete um this online safeguarding form right if parents continually right if, if children were constantly not submitting any work and not getting in contact right with um with um, the school, then we submitted these initial concerns. So it was it was um, registered really as a safeguarding issue. So wow. yeah, yeah. So um, what will happen is they will be monitored. You know, um, yeah. and, that's, and, and you know those concerns are recorded, you know? So, um, so yeah, but, but Caroline, some, some parents where, where the school is, it's, um, an old mining town, right? And, and, you know, some of our children come from low income families, you know, and, um, they didn't have the technology, um, you know, um, to access the remote learning. So that became a bit of an issue. So what the deputy did was he went round and teachers had to um, go into school and print off loads and loads and loads of um, worksheets and things. And then the deputy went round and dropped them off at children's houses. Charlotte men- mentioned that she'd been doing more work with um, tutoring via Zoom. So I was wondering if she could speak to that kind of experience a little bit. Yeah. So we, similar to Mum in the, like, in the sense that when we found out about it, it was very, very quick. So I think we had almost like a week to get like every single child, make sure that they had a laptop available, make sure they were downloaded on Skype, make sure that we had like we had to plan for weeks and weeks ahead because obviously initially we thought it was going to be a lot less than it actually was. There was talks of potentially a coming like coming back into our um, center, but obviously that hasn't happened. Um, but one of our biggest issues was that we lost a lot of children. So when children are in um, year 11 or 11th grade, we do what's called GCSEs and this helps them either get into college or get into A levels. And the GCSEs and the A-levels were cancelled, which means that within, I think it was a week or potentially within a night, I know personally I'd lost half of my students because if there was no need for them to take the test and it meant that they were actually unable, they, they didn't need tutoring. So we suffered a lot with that. But with regards to like actually um, discussing Skype, I think personally I found it a little bit difficult with certain students because obviously you haven't got that close face-to-face contact that you used to. Um, and where also we are provided with massive whiteboards in our little sections. So, I mean, I tried everything. I tried using like, I got like a whiteboard at home, trying to do it with the kids, but it's quite difficult to try and explain what you're doing whilst also trying to hold the whiteboard so that the children can actually see what you're going through. Um, I tried writing it down on paper. We tried screen sharing. But I think for some children, they really, really struggled to like adjust to the new um, foundations of what we were doing. So some children decided that they no longer wanted children because of that. Um, however, the children that continued, some of them actually got on almost better with the Skype because 
they were in the comfort of their, their own home. They couldn't like overhear the other children um, in the background. They weren't as easily distracted. So it was very much like a mix depending on what the child was like used to and what they preferred. So, yeah. And so I, you know, have been keeping up a bit with, you know, researching for this, trying to see what I can find about, um, you know, the UK Department of Education's plan moving forward. And it seems like they are moving forward with in-person learning. Well, what's what's happening is, right, um, we're divided into bubbles, right? So in in our school, everybody's going back in September. Every class is going back. We've reorganized the classrooms, right? So the children are sitting one meter apart, right? Now, the, the school is organized into a number of bubbles. So you've got um, nursery and reception children are in class as being in one bubble. Then you've got year one and year two children. That makes up a bubble two. Then you've got Year three and year four make up bubble three. Year five and year six make up bubble four. Now, in those bubbles, right, the teachers and, right, the children have to remain in those bubbles and they do everything together. They're not allowed to mix at all with another bubble. They even have dinner staff, the dinner ladies who come in at lunchtime, right, are allotted to one bubble, and that's they they have to stay with those with those children, right? So you will, will not mix with anybody outside the bubble. So I will have um, playtime with my children. I will eat my lunch with those children. The dinner lady that's allotted to them will take them out at lunchtime for a play. Right? Then they'll come back to me. So because of that, right? We've got sort of like um, the day is staggered. So we've got some children starting early, right? And they will go into, into, into their class with their teacher. Parents will drop them off in the yard. They will go into their class with their teacher, right? And they will be with that teacher all day. Um, a few minutes, uh, 20 minutes later, I think it's 15 minutes later, the second bubble will go in. So the parents will, once again, the parents from the first bubble will have left the yard. Then the second bubble will come in and they will go into their classrooms with their teacher, right? So it's staggered throughout the day. So, um, so you're not mixing with any other children, right? or adults outside of the bubble that you're teaching. Are you confident that that will be effective? Are you nervous about it? Do you have... Well, well, the, school, the, the actual school building doesn't lend itself that well. So right? it's, it's a small school, right? And it's it's L-shaped, right? The school is L-shaped with class with one with a corridor, right? The corridor is quite narrow. It's not a wide corridor. It's not. It's not it's a not, meter. It's not. It's not like well, it's maybe a meter wide, but it's not two meters wide. Um, and um, so, um, and and we don't have lots of toilets. 
So you've got to be careful. Um, so we have the only way that you can sort of like um, keep clean, as it were, is we've got sanitizers all over the school. The children have to sanitize their hands on coming in to the classroom. They have to sanitize their hands on going out of the classroom. They have to, I think we're going to have a little break where they have another um, go and wash their hands. And you're not allowed, um, you're just not allowed to move outside your bubble. But that's going to be very difficult, you know. So I I can see that um, if you don't stick to the times, you know, the the staggered break times, our kids, right, um, are going to be waiting for their playtime where the fourth bubble. So, you know, we've got to ensure that all of the previous bubbles have had their playtimes before we can have our playtime before we're allowed on the yacht. You know, um, in terms of equipment, you have your equipment in the classroom and that is not allowed to leave the classroom. And at lunchtime, you have to um, sanitize your equipment. So whatever you've had, you will have to wipe it down. Tables will be wiped down. um, And any equipment that you have used will be wiped down at lunchtime. And obviously at the end of the day. And so it's going to be very lunchtime. I kind of see teachers being able to have a break, to be quite honest, because by the time you're going to be wiping down the table, sanitizing, you're going to have to sit with your kids, maybe maybe have a bit, a bit of lunch with the kids, but then you're back in to prepare for the afternoon. Um, we don't have to wear masks. No. It's no masks? No, no. Um I don't think you can teach with a mask on, especially with children. So we're not we're not wearing masks. It's a rule in the UK. We feel that um, children don't pass on the virus. So um, yeah, that's interesting. That'll be, yeah. yeah. So do, what is your, I guess, specific institution or maybe the broader plan for? Um, if a child or a staff member, faculty gets sick. Right. Um, if a child shows symptoms, we do have, right, um, PPE equipment, right, in the classroom. So I would then put on the, um, the, this, visor. the visor, right? If a child started to show symptoms like, you know, either temperature or a dry cough or anything that I'm concerned about, then um, I would put the equipment on and um, and we have (laughs) walkie-talkies. So I would have to walkie-talkie and um, contact the office who would ring for the parents to come and that child would be, um, I would take that child out and um, it would he or she would be isolated until the mother came. If she tested positive, right, then we would have to go into quarantine. Our whole bubble would have to go into quarantine for 14 days. Well, I know. Uh, yeah, when, when exactly, you guys go back in September, correct? Yeah, yes. September the 7th of May. And um, Charlotte, what, what is your... 
institution kind so, of looking to do what is there. So what I believe we're doing is um, I believe the children are going to have the option as to whether or not they want to continue the Skype sessions um, or whether they would like to go into our building. So I think we have, they've pp the whole building. So we've got um, like glass screens between the teachers and the students, uh, the tutor, sorry, and the students. Um, I think they have to sanitize on coming in, sanitize on coming out. I think we've got a digital thermometer before the kids have even come into the center. Um, so if their temperature is obviously higher, then they're not allowed to come in. I believe that the tutors have to wear visors and masks. I think there's going to be masks and gloves provided for every student. So they've gone like, because obviously we're such a small building that I believe it would be the same that if someone did test positive that we're in the building, then we'd all have to go in quarantine for 14 days. But for us, because obviously it's one-to-one, I think we have to be much more like geared up um, as opposed to mum when she's teaching to like groups of kids. Also, um, Caroline, just on the more practical things, um, the children, um, we no longer provide um, dinners in the school that are made in the school. Children have to bring in their own packed lunches. Um, and hey, what do you do for free school meals? Children who are entitled to free school meals will have a packed lunch made right. in our kitchens. But the children, you know, there's no more cooked dinners anymore. Um, and children have to bring in their own packed lunches unless they're on free school meals. And then we provide them with a packed lunch, but it's just a packed lunch. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and um, on the day that they do PE, they have to come in their PE kits. So they wear the PE kit school all day that day. They're no longer wearing uniforms either, are you? I think they're going to wear them when they go back. Right. Yeah. Um, and um, what else? I'm trying to think. Um, and also little things like, obviously, it's a primary school. Um, they So we would normally, children take home reading books <laughs> and they're changed regularly as they, you know, progress throughout the, the, the reading scheme. Um they're allowed to take a reading book home, but they're not allowed to bring it back into school, right? Until um, the um, seventy-two hours. Mm-hmm. So they have to keep the reading book at home for seventy-two hours, and also for marking, right? Um, we have to mark their books, the work that they've done throughout the day, we have to mark their books in the classroom. Um, we're not allowed to take them home. And if I did take them home, then again, I would have to keep them at home for 72 hours. So um, and so we're not allowed to do that. Um, so normally it's fine because teachers tend to stay in school and try to get as much work completed in school so they don't have to do it when they come home um but um we're not allowed to stay too long after um school ends because the caretaker has to do a deep clean every night and so we have to and the head teacher said that she wants us out by four o'clock which is only leaving us about what half an hour 
to get books marked, which you can't do. So, uh, so that means we're going to have to come up with maybe, you know, change the system for marking and maybe just flick through children's work and do general comments the, um, the next day about sort of like groups of children and how they've performed in a particular piece of work, you know. Um, so the marking will change. How do you think education in the UK as a whole is going to change or, you know, what may be some of the challenges? Yeah, that- I think there will be huge gaps well yeah there's going to be huge gaps in in children's learning this year if they go to university they um their target grades or their grades their end of year grades sorry are going to be a mixture of like teacher assessed mock tests and their like their overall um how they've done overall in school which normally you would just have like your exam at the end of the year which means that they're they then haven't had any education because i don't think the older ones have really been having the like maybe year nines and year year tens year twelves have maybe been having Zoom calls, but year elevens that aren't like that have been doing their GCSEs and year thirteens that aren't going back to school. I don't think they've actually had that much feedback from the schools, so they haven't had any education for like six months, yeah. and they're supposed to be going into university with absolutely no education, which means they're going to be so far behind that they're going to really struggle that first term of university which is going to be insane. And it's going to be the same for the GCSEs. They're going to be doing this massive leap, which is already big enough from GCSEs to A-levels, but they haven't had proper education for six months. And they're going to be specializing, you know, they're going to be doing like hard, especially like, for example, like math students, they've gone from GCSE, which is quite your basic, you know, maths to calculus and statistics. And especially the ones that are doing further maths, it's much, much harder. And they haven't had the work. So there's going to be, I think there's going to be huge gaps in their learning. Even, um, you know, during lockdown, um, we had to go in for, um, key workers children. And, um, and, um, I noticed when doing work with those children, um, how far behind they were, especially towards the end. Mm. Um, you, you know, um, basics they'd forgotten basics yes, standards had gone down you know um the yeah, six is going into high school yeah i know yeah um for, for for my year group the year six because they were leaving our school this year right they never got together because they didn't come back into school, our school never reopened. We didn't take um, any children back in because of the design of the school. We couldn't meet the government guidelines. So the, the head teacher and the governors decided that, they, that the school wouldn't reopen. So my year sixes did never, you know, they, they didn't have the opportunity to say goodbye to St. Aidan's. And I really, really felt sorry for them because, um, you know, they've been at St. Aidan's from, what, three-year-old and they were leaving the school to go to the high school. They had no, no, you know, opportunity to say goodbye. Um, and I just feel really sorry for them. Um, they're, they're going to be going to high school <laughs> um, and, um, you know, um, not prepared at all. They've had no, you know, they hadn't been to visit the high school. That that was cancelled. Um, 
even that, you know, at the end of term, they were supposed to go on an outward bound trip um, for a week. That was all cancelled. The deputy head and myself, we visited the children to give them this end of school reports and um, and a little, what we call this little survival um, kit for life after St. Aidan's. And, um, and um, we, you know, went round to the, to the houses to say goodbye. And it was just, it was just so sad because, you know, we've, they've never had this opportunity to say goodbye. They never had their little, their little prom that we always have for them. They never had their, their final mass. Um, and it just seems such a shame. Um, you know, they missed out. Yeah. I think, I think that is something that's also, you know, interesting. Our school systems are different in many ways, but there are a lot of, uh, they're comparable in many ways as well. And I think, you know, I have, you know, siblings and neighbors who are in, you know, the public school system and middle school, high school. And it's interesting. I think it will be interesting to see how the social life changes because school at all levels is such a hub of, you know, social life where you find yourself, all that stuff. And people here similarly didn't have, you know, didn't get to have prom or graduation or um, in in my hometown area of Maryland, senior week is a big thing. So, um, you know, I I think, I mean, there are similar, um, I guess, events, like you said, the kind of graduating from St. Aidan's. Um, It'll be interesting to see how socialization of the kids, yeah. especially some of the younger kids, how that will, yeah, yeah, will. yeah. You know, things improve, right? Um, because at the moment we're not allowed to have any kind of school assembly. If the situation improves, and um, and larger numbers are allowed to meet, then those children are going to come back so that we can say properly say goodbye to them. But I don't know when that's going to happen. Hopefully it'll happen this year. You know, Bless no, them. By the time you know, they do it, they may feel um, like they're not, like they're too old know, to be doing it. And they may feel like yeah. embarrassed and like it's too childlike because yeah. they're in high school. Yeah. Which is uh, so upsetting. I know, I know. We'll all be in the different friendship groups and the different form classes, so some of them might not have seen yeah. others. Charlotte, you recently graduated from university how was looking um, to enter education as a field so I was fortunate enough because I'm starting my teacher training in September and so I was fortunate enough to actually have that set up in January but as a result of that a lot of the preparation that comes with you know, getting ready for my teacher training. And I think we're supposed to visit the school. We're supposed to have like meeting with the other student teachers. We're supposed to have meetings with our um, pathway tutors and advisors and things like that. We haven't actually been able to do that. And for a long time, I didn't even know whether or not like it was going to be going ahead, whether or not they were going to still be accepting student teachers. I've had a couple of emails from my tutors being like, it's still going ahead. However, it's going to be really, really different, but they haven't actually like said anything more than things are going to be different. I think we've got a meeting. The first time I'm going to be actually setting foot in the school other than my interview is when I go to a training day. So I have no idea what to expect. And like, so I have another friend that did teacher training this year and she was saying it was like, because obviously the schools had shut, her teacher training year was totally put off like she um she had to start doing online work 
which obviously no one had prepared them for. So she was in even like more trouble, not trouble, sorry, but she was a little bit more confused because she wasn't prepared for how to do it. And obviously she didn't have the guidance of our tutor other than the occasional email, which considering the other teacher, like her tutor is still a teacher. So she will have had to be giving her classes schedules. And I think she's done a couple of Zoom calls, but like, I'm not quite sure what to expect because they haven't even given us any information about like PPA and things like that. But I think with regards to jobs, I, so I got furloughed in May because my, like as a result of my job, obviously I lost half of my students, which meant that I went from roughly like 22 hours to about 11 hours. Then some of the students didn't like the way that like they didn't like Skyping. So then I was down to about nine and then I was down to two. So my boss ended up furloughing me, um, which was kind of a blessing and a curse because it meant obviously we were getting our 80% of our income, but because my income had been reduced so much, like my furlough was not quite what it could have been. But I mean, fair enough, I was lucky to be getting it at all. Um, but it also meant that like one of the reasons that I was continuing with the tutoring was to prepare me to like deliver classrooms and to deliver lessons. And I lost that in May, which means that I'm kind of going in quite unprepared, like and very confused with how it's going to work, but I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> um, I know a lot of people have struggled trying to get jobs in furlough because unless you're applying to like, is it supermarket jobs or like delivery drivers, there's not many jobs. Like my brother's attempting to, yeah, it's finding it very, very yeah, because he's he's got like so he's leaving college with I think it's a level five in electrical engineering, yeah, and he's looking for apprenticeships. And he's finding it very difficult because nowhere is hiring, nowhere is putting forward apprenticeships. I have um, one of my family friends, their son left um, high school this year. He has just got one and he's been looking constantly, like he's really, really struggled. And I think his is in Aberdeen. So his is like right up in Scotland because that was the only place that he could get one. So like a lot of people, especially like the recent graduates are finding it very, very difficult to get like full-time jobs because there's nothing on the market. No one wants to advertise full-time like employment because they don't know how long COVID is going to happen. They don't want to, you know, some, some companies have even fired people as a result because they didn't want to furlough them. So it's been really, really difficult for like, I would say for young people who are not in a steady employment and for people who are in, you know, those roles to try and keep their jobs or to try and continue, like to try and get other jobs. So, yeah. 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 Um, this is sort of, um, a bit tangential, not necessarily about education, but I'm just curious, how has, um, your personal life, your home life, um, daily life kind of changed, um, as a result of COVID your quarantine, what, what is different? How are, you know, how are you guys getting groceries or where are you getting groceries when we were really in the thick of it? At first, when lockdown was on, because of where we live, Caroline, because we live in a small village in Northumberland, um, near the coast, I'll be honest with you, it, it was the, the peace and quiet, right? 
was absolutely lovely, oh, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. it was just um, fantastic. No cars on the road. So it was so peaceful. And honestly, you, 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 were, you were seeing, you know, um, like wildlife and just the sounds of nature that you don't hear because of traffic, yeah. right? Was, you know, it was wonderful. The birds singing. It was yeah. just gorgeous and taking the dogs out and yeah, just we for were walks. Like exploring was, different parts of Long Horsley that we hadn't, this, our the, village that we hadn't done in years. Because obviously, on you get like one daily walk and we've got two Springer Spaniels. So they need a good like hour, hour and a half walk. They're only going to have one. So we were going right around the back roads, right out across the fields. And they were loving it. And it was, you know, getting us fresh air. But mum's right, like the. It, Oh, it's gorgeous, man. Yeah, it, it was. And the, and the beaches, no litter, no litter on the beaches because um, they were deserted. And, um, yeah. and you know, it was lovely. And I loved that aspect of it. As soon as lockdown, right, um, you know, like the restrictions were lifted. Did. Honestly, you could hear the traffic and it spoiled it, didn't it? At yeah. first, I was sort of like felt really sad. Um, and I think a lot of people, because you know they, they, they couldn't work, they were spending a lot more family time together. You know, Too much um, family time. and um, <laughs> I mean, I know there can be negative aspects of that, but a lot of people I know loved just being able to be with their children and not yeah. have the pressures of, um, of work and this like, you know, quick pace of life that we were, that we were used to. It sort of like slowed down and, you know, it was a much gentler time. Um, but then of course you've got the worries of money. Yeah. You know, I think also not- like as a young person, not be like, yes, it was lovely being able to spend time with our families but I think I struggled because I wasn't able to see a lot of my friends um, and because a lot of my friends were like, either they'd come home or they were spread across the country because some of them are still at university. So we were fortunate enough because I think it was a chance to like reconnect as like big groups because we were doing like group Zoom calls and I think we took part in like family yeah. quizzes and things like that. But for, like, for example, so my best friend was in, um, she'd just come back from France because she was doing a ski season. So even when the restrictions had lifted, I wasn't able, like I hadn't seen her since Christmas time and I still wasn't able to see her. So that was really, like, that was quite difficult because, you know, your best friend comes home from working and you just want to go see her. Um, And I think with regards to like, I mean, I celebrated my birthday in lockdown and we all had to have like a socially distanced gathering outside, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to see some of my friends, but it just wasn't the same as being able to go up, give someone like a big hug. So I think that element was quite difficult, but it was nice like being able to reconnect because you had to make the effort in order to reconnect with your friends and your family. Um, and I think more families did come become a lot more connected because they felt like, oh, more people are like connecting via Zoom and, you know, things like that were becoming more available, that a lot more people were reconnecting with people that they hadn't seen in probably years like I mean we haven't seen some of our family in yeah. a really really long time but through like family quizzes we were able to actually reconnect with them which was lovely sadly for us though um my mum passed away during um lockdown um and she yeah and I, I mean she was 
She was 94. The woman did well. She was 94. Um, But she was in a home, um, and um, the home... It was a fantastic home, isn't it? It was like oh, it was absolutely. gorgeous. It was like a so, um, it was a converted convent, so you still had like nuns taking care of the old folk, and they would still like pray and take them to church. So, and you know, really, you know, well cared for. Um, but obviously, we couldn't go and visit her, um, and so she was ninety four, and um, the. The people at the home had a party for her, and um, and my sister and I could only go and like look through the windows and wave and um, and you know sing happy birthday to her you know behind uh, behind the, a glass door, and so that was that was sad. Yeah. And then mum, unfortunately, mum had a little uh, had a stroke, so she was taken into hospital. We couldn't. Um, visit her at all and um, and communication from the doctors and the nurses was was poor we couldn't really find out what was happening um, and mum is very deaf she's not you know 94 she's not very mobile and um, they were finding it difficult to find out what what the effects of this stroke had been, whether um, she had, you know, she'd lost um, certain senses and uh, and what have you, that was difficult. Um, fortunately, um, she did get back into the home, and um, but again, we we weren't allowed to go and visit her, um, and then she. Um, um, well, she she got worse. Yeah, she she became very poorly, and the home agreed that one person could be allowed to go and visit her. Well, I'm, I have um, two sisters, three three daughters, so only one of us could go, and um, and that happened to be me because my other sister she actually works in the fracture clinic in a hospital in Newcastle and because she was in contact with pa- uh, patients they said that she couldn't go in and, and um, so in so I went in and um obviously had to be fully you know um mask visor yeah bib like uh, apron, gloves, going through the back. Sister, <laughs> Sister <laughs> Therese used to take me through the back um, um, passage passageway um, up the convent upstairs and stuff, um, and to sit with with mum, and that was a difficult week, real difficult yeah. week. So also, um, mum, like, yeah. we weren't able to go with her. So mum's there by herself, and we weren't able to be there and support her because we weren't allowed. Like even like standing outside the home because you were only allowed in there for however long it was. Like we couldn't, do you know what I mean? It was quite difficult because mum then wouldn't come out and see us if we had have been there. We, we were very lucky though because um, there wasn't any um, COVID in the home and there was always the danger because mum had been into a hospital. She did get tested. She got tested but, twice. Yeah, she? she got tested twice, but apparently you can, a lot of uh, patients have picked up the virus in hospitals. Well, not 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 necessarily in hospitals, but actually, in the, um, the ambulance journey back, there was a few people had picked it up, and um, from from that. So, um, you know, 
we were lucky really that they eventually the home allowed me to go in to be with mum. Um, but um, it was difficult, wasn't it? It yeah, was really it was difficult. And then, um, and then when when mum passed away, um, we were allowed fifteen people at the funeral. No, you know, mum was a really good Catholic. Obviously, we couldn't have a requiem mass for her. Um, we also but, couldn't have, like, my cousins are a lot older than me and my brother, so my cousins have partners and children. They weren't able to come. So, like, one of my cousins, his uh, now fiancé, she wasn't allowed to come. Um, my other cousin's husband and their children weren't able to come. Yeah, so... so it was that was difficult but then again 15 people there was the, the crematorium was quite a big um creme so that the, you know we were allowed to have these 15 people in and the the, the priest still come you know yeah. did, did a lovely service and we still had hymns and readings and but we were all spread sister, out in the uh, yeah and my sister was still able to deliver a, a eulogy because you were only allowed in for 20 minutes wasn't it I think and so Karen honestly it was it was literally there was as you were leaving there was another um funeral taking place honestly it was it was just like a conveyor belt wasn't it yeah, yeah. So, I, I can uh, empathize you know it's a rough time for a lot of people a lot of yeah. people are losing loved ones I myself lost um, my grandfather at the beginning of the pandemic not um to COVID but um Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a rough time for a lot of people, yeah. and so so I, I feel for you guys. Um, and sort of, uh, I guess bouncing back to some of the silver linings we were talking about earlier. You know, the you sort of answered it um a bit before, but if there were any positive experiences that you've had to come out of COVID, and what you're you know what are you hopeful about moving forward? You know, now that there's a vaccine in development, and yeah, yeah, you know, fingers crossed that things will turn around. I think we're hopeful for like a bit of normality, but I think like on a a positive side, because everyone's become so reconnected, I really hope that like personally, I hope that it stays like that. And I hope that families and friends and people who have reconnected still remain close and they start like taking, both taking care of like the planet and also taking care of like family members and groups of people that they've maybe like let go astray. Um, Another good thing is we got very fit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I agree. I, I just hope people um, focus more on, you know, caring for wildlife, caring for the planet, and just each other. Really, mm-hmm. families, uh, families, so important. Um, and I think. Um, a lot of people forget it. that because they get so wrapped up in work and technology and, you know, they spend more time watching TV or on social media than I think they actually do like face to face talking. And yeah, like we had fun. We never used to do family dinners because we're all like all of us are working different times and we started doing having like family dinners again, which was really nice because it meant that we were actually having conversations at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Getting back together and um, and just and just looking after our world really. Yeah. Thank you guys. I want to say um we're gonna wrap it up here. Um I really, really appreciate you guys being willing to to speak to me for giving um you some insight into uh what your experience in the education system has been like with COVID recently kind of taking over the planet. So um I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Thanks, Karen. Sunny. It's been lovely speaking to you. 
Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of COVID Around the World. Our next episode will focus on COVID and education in the country of Zambia. Thank you. Thank you.